Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast. You are here for episode number 22. And yes, I am actually recording on (laughs) Tuesday, which is the 22nd. Oh yeah, 22 year two, I should say. And um, today was an unexpected day because we had a snow day today, which was unexpected because the snow and the cold temperatures came over the weekend. Yesterday was pretty cold. This is Monday. Very cold, actually, in the morning, but wasn't terrible by the evening. But apparently, this morning, about 140 of Columbus's school buses would not start. And this made it impossible for them to run their school routes. And I teach at a Columbus Catholic school, which relies on those buses. So we were canceled today as well. So it allowed me to sleep in, which I always enjoy, and just kick back today and have a really nice, relaxing, enjoyable, quiet, chill day. And a day in which, like every day, I keep kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the presence of God. And I'm glad that you're with me whenever and wherever and whomever you are listening as I share about that. So I'm sitting in my chair in the room we call the library in our house. It's really the living room, but we have so many books that it feels kind of like a library. But I'm sitting here with um, two items that I have brought up from my prayer chair down in the basement that I use during these cold months rather than sitting on the back patio slash porch. One is my mister, the ultrasonic air mister, puts out cold, cool mist that I have infused this time with peppermint essential oil, and also a candle that is a unique candle because it has a wooden wick so as it burns you can hear a crackle so i have next to me water and fire but it is water and fire steam and fire really that are the product of a transformation the water that i put into the um, ultrasonic diffuser Uh, is being transformed into steam, mist, cool mist, which is kind of neat. Not sure exactly how how it works and how it does that, but hey, it's magic, I suppose. But it is putting out this cool mist that is fragranced. And I did a whole podcast, I think, earlier this um, month, this year, on that particular item. But the candle, and any candle, This one is different because it it has an auditory aspect, the crackling of the burning of the wick. Most candles are almost silent, really. But it is a transformation. Fire is taking a combustible, something that has carbon, usually, I think, if I remember my chemistry right, something has to have carbon in it in order to burn, and it is converting that into light and heat and also smoke that comes off and it is a transformation right in this case it's this orangish colored candle that is also fragranced and it is burning and transforming 
There is a change, a metamorphosis, if you will. And I was thinking about this tonight because this evening I went to our public library, which I've also spoken about numerous times on this podcast, to hear the same speaker that I heard yesterday, Tuesday or Monday at the Martin Luther King breakfast. Now, I didn't talk that much about Reverend Gail, but she was our um, facilitator really tonight. I think there was a bit of a presentation that unfortunately I missed, had to miss that first half hour. So I, I, I did not hear a formal presentation, but the part I was there for the other hour, hour and 15 minutes was all about conversation and conversation around Dr. King's concept of the beloved community. And I think this is something that we need to really pay attention to right now at this point in our country. And I think it, for me, is even helpful as I prepare to talk tomorrow with my students about the incident on video at the D.C. um, Lincoln Memorial with the teenagers. And I've already talked about this twice now on the podcast, so I'm not going to dwell too much on it here, except to say that Dr. King's beloved community, I think, is very relevant to what I want to stress when I talk about that incident with my students. So if you will, please stay with me through the break and I will tell you about the beloved community and how I plan to connect it to my lesson or at least part of my lesson tomorrow. Well, thank you for staying with me through the break. So the beloved community is something that Dr. King talked about numerous times, and it doesn't get as much attention, certainly, as some of his other uh, speeches and ideas, and certainly not as much as the I have a dream and judge the quality of the character of a person, not by the uh, color of their skin, but by the content of their character and so forth. But the beloved community for Dr. King was a place that happens after violence ends and reconciliation and reconnection is able to take place. It's a place of forgiveness, a place of atonement for wrongs, and a place of ultimately agape love. And this is really, in many ways, the kingdom of God that Jesus talks about in the um, Gospels. And I think Dr. King was just using different language to say the, the same idea and, and put it into a somewhat slightly different context, emphasize the reconciliation and the uh, reconnection aspect of the process of becoming the beloved community. And it really revolves around this nonviolence. Dr. King went to India after Gandhi. I don't recall if he met Gandhi. I don't think he did because Gandhi had been murdered um, before that. Although I could be wrong. I'm, I don't edit these, so I can't 
go back and check or edit this out if I am wrong. But when he got back, Dr. King saw that India was freed because of this nonviolence. And even though India had its troubles, certainly Pakistan was one of the, the, the symptoms of the divide that happened um, as, as India became free of, of Great Britain. But it was through nonviolence that it was able to be free. And this really influenced King as far as his own actions in how to respond to the violence that would be thrust upon him and the many, many people who protested, stood up, marched for civil rights. He knew that one had to, for lack of a better word, really, turn the other cheek, not respond to violence with violence, and do everything possible to de-escalate a situation as far as not retaliating, right? And I think this is really what I want to focus on when I talk with my students tomorrow about the Catholic school students at the Lincoln Memorial. This idea that as more videos have come out, we, we see that they were being provoked. There were at least four individuals using profanity, calling them names, being bigoted, towards them and, and quite frankly hateful and I think I want to stress with my students that when you march this is likely to happen you will very likely find people who oppose whatever you're standing for whatever you're marching for whatever signs you're carrying whatever shirts or hats you're wearing there's going to be people that oppose you and you can jump in you can take the bait you can Go to their level, however you want to understand it, or you can do what Dr. King did and recommends, I think, for us that we do, which is to respond peacefully. Don't be aggressive. Don't ramp things up. Don't start chanting and singing, quote, school spirit songs, you know, or dancing sort of wildly and not perhaps very sensitively to the drumming of the Native American indigenous people marchers. And certainly be respectful, you know, to get, don't get in people's faces. Don't take an aggressive posture with facial expressions or gestures. You know, I, 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 I'm struck by the, the young man who is seen in that photo that's now an iconic photo. It's one of those photos that will tell a story far beyond, I think, this moment. Even if it's a story that has a lot more layers than we thought it did. Nevertheless, his look, to me, is, is a smugness. It's not a peaceful look. It's not an aggressive look. He's not barring his teeth, so to speak, like a, you know, other mammals do as a sign of aggression. Nevertheless, it doesn't look to be a calm, passive, or at least open sort of expression. So I think that's significant to me. So that's what I want to stress with my students. I want to teach my students, as I also encourage them to march, that 
when you are provoked, if you respond with violence or if you respond in kind, whatever that might be, you've lost. You've lost the moral high ground. You've lost the you've lost the moment, really. And I, and and certainly that's what seemed to happen there at the Lincoln Memorial, which is where Dr. King actually gave his I have a dream speech that very spot. Perhaps ironic, perhaps a reminder that we need to continue to teach lessons to our young people and also lessons to the adults who encourage them or didn't discourage them at the very least from responding that way. So in the end, I conclude with the question that was asked at our our gathering this evening. Where do you witness the beloved community? Where in your little ways can you help to bring the beloved community? None of us can do it globally. None of us can do it in faraway lands or distant times, past or future. All we can do is in our own little way, our families, our schools, our workplaces, our community centers, politics in our community, whatever it might be, churches, certainly. We can do it in those places. But how do you work and bring the beloved community? And how is God present with you? And what transformations need to take place, transforming the water of your current community into steam or the candle wax of your present church or workplace into the fire, light, and heat, and smoke of the flame? And where is God again in the midst of all of that? So thank you so much, and blessings and peace.